be thinking about Revelation chapter 11. Because, you see, I don't like to give up. And I'm somewhat like like a bulldog. I grab hold of something and I won't let go. I look at Revelation chapter 11, verse 13. And that number there in my mind did not make sense. John, why did you use the number 7,000? Because 7,000 is a multiple of a perfect number. And how, John, could you use that number to represent unbelievers? You see, I was wrong. John was right. Because on Wednesday, I had a a new revelation to myself. You, You see, Revelation chapter 11 is considered to be one of the most difficult chapters to understand. And on Wednesday morning, as I was getting ready for my regular five o'clock Bible study, once again, I was back in Revelation chapter 11, and I had to even mark down the time, 4.48 that morning, because I finally understood what the message is. And that really started with verse 15. Go with me, if you would, to verse number 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And He shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped Him, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. Did you notice that E.D.? Did you notice that E.D. at the end of that word? Verses 15 and 17 is talking about the judgment day when the kingdoms of this world will be done away with and we'll have one kingdom, the kingdom of Christ. And He shall rule forever. Well, how does that tie back into verse 13? Well, it does tie back in to verse 13. Because Revelation chapter 11, I now understand, is all about the reign of Jesus. It's about the reign of our Lord Jesus. When I read verses 15 through 17... In my mind, I hear the choirs of heaven singing the hallelujah chorus. This is the climax of history. This is the event toward which all of history is driven. The victory party of our Lord. Because Jesus will reign. So here's the mistake I made regarding verse 13. Let's go back to verse 13. In fact, let's really begin in verse number 12. 
And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth. In other words, this is not everybody. This is just some. And a tenth of the city fell. The city fell. When you hear the word city in the book of Revelation, what do you think of? You think of two places. Either heaven, the new Jerusalem, or we're talking about Rome here. This is Rome. This is the Roman Empire. A tenth of the city fell in the earthquake. 7,000 people were killed. 7,000 Christians died. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Let's take a step away from the Bible for just a moment. Let's look at history. We know that the main thrust of the persecution against the church started under Nero. That's about the middle of the first century. That persecution would continue all the way up to the early part of the fourth century. The peak of that persecution happened near the end of the first century and through the second century. But how about the third century? Persecution slowly dwindled down in the third century. Why? The conversion of Romans, Roman citizens, Roman soldiers to the church was one of the reasons why the persecution started dwindling down in the third century. Now, let me give you an example of that. We have a Christian historian, a Christian historian who actually lived in the late 3rd century and early 4th century. He wrote about Roman soldiers who became followers of Jesus. According to him, this is his guess, he estimated that 20% of the Roman soldiers that he knew believed in Jesus. Then he added a little footnote. He said, and the number could be much higher than that. Let's go to one incident. This is in the land of Gaul, G-A-U-L. We call it today France. A Roman general got very upset, very mad, because he found out that one of his attachments one of his large groups of soldiers, roughly 600, believed in Jesus. He didn't like that. He was camped out in northern France, northern Gaul, in the wintertime. He ordered those men to renounce their faith. They refused. He had them to strip down to nothing, they took all their clothes off, 
and he marched those naked men out to the water bank where the water was. And he told them, the moment you renounce your faith in this, we called it Christos, Christ, you can come back to the fire, to the, to the, to the camp, we'll give you back your clothes, and you can resume being a soldier. Every one of that attachment except five, five men, were believers in Jesus. Every one of those men, except seven, stayed out there and literally froze to death that night. We have about 600 men giving up their life because they believed in Jesus. By the way, how do we know that story? We know that story because some of the men who witnessed that story became believers in Jesus also. And they wrote about it. Do you see that happening right here? 7,000 people were killed. In their case, about 600. And the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Why would a person do something like that? It's because Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. He is in charge. He was in charge back then. He will be in charge for eternity. And He's reigning now. I'm not saying that Jesus is not reigning now because He is. The Bible makes it very clear that Jesus is now seated at the Father's right hand, far above all rule and authority. Jesus is indeed Lord, but on that last day, on that last day, everyone, everyone will recognize His rule. Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The Father. Go back to verse 16 again. Verse number 16. And the 24 elders. And the 24 elders. We've encountered these 24 elders before. Uh, who do they represent? They represent all believers from all ages. The number comes from the 12 tribes of Israel, which represents the Old Testament believers in God plus the twelve apostles, which represents the New Testament believers in Jesus. All believers will acknowledge His right to rule because Jesus reigns with total and absolute authority over their lives. Jesus is in charge. Now, what happens? These 24 elders... They fell on their faces and worshiped God. We've seen something like this a couple of times already. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 4, God's people fell down before the Lord because He is their Creator. 
And then in chapter 5, God's people fell down before the Lord because He is their Redeemer. Here in chapter 11, they prostrate themselves, they fall down before the Lord because He is their ruler. Jesus, Jesus reigns. You see, all of this goes together. This chapter is a chapter of Jesus being in charge. Jesus has a right to rule our lives because He made us and He bought us with His own shed blood on the cross. He owns us by right of creation and by right of redemption. We are twice, twice His. A little boy living in Chicago. He built a very elaborate toy boat. He was so proud of that boat. He devoted a lot of hours making that boat and making it just right. And he was so excited. He was going to put out his boat on Lake Michigan. He didn't realize the problem. Lake Michigan, you've got a lot of real boats going up and down. A lot of waves going up and down. And when he put his little boat out there on the water, the, the waves of the, that were created by the other big boats, the real boats, pretty soon blew and moved his boat way out so he could not even, he could not even reach it. And he lost it. And he was so sad. Because he had put a lot of effort in that boat. About a week later, he was walking in his community past a store that was a second-hand store. And in the window of that store, he saw the boat that he had made. He was excited, you know. There's my boat! There's my boat! So he goes in there to claim his boat, but the owner of the store said, I'm sorry, son, but uh, that's my boat. I bought it. A guy came by with it, and I bought it, and you will have to buy it if you want it. Well, he didn't have any money. So he starts saving his money. He starts doing little odd jobs, and pretty soon he has enough money to buy the boat. He marches himself into that store, and he buys that boat. Now, that little boy had two statements to make about the boat. He said, now you're twice mine. I made you, and now I bought you. You are mine. In the same way, we who believe in Jesus are twice His. He made us, but when He placed us in this world, we drifted away like that boat drifted away from that little boy. We were snatched away by the winds of sin and we were lost. Then Jesus found us and He purchased us with His very own shed blood on that cross. He made us and He bought us. Therefore, we are twice His. He has a double right of ownership over us. Jesus reigns. The early church needed to hear this, and so do we today. The believers of all ages will acknowledge Jesus' right.
to reign. They will acknowledge it gladly with extreme gratitude. Go back to verse 17. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reign. You reign. Jesus reigns. They thank the Lord. You know, in our, in our world today, we have politicians who make a lot of promises. But when politicians after politicians after politicians fail to live up to his or her promises, isn't it refreshing to find someone who will keep his promise? Jesus will finally rule completely. And he will make everything right. You can bank on that. Hallelujah. For the Lord God, the Lord God, omnipotent, He reigns. We who know Jesus will rejoice on that day. But my question to you is, why wait until then? I urge you, rejoice with God's people today. Be a Christian today. Praise the Lord that Jesus reigns. Be grateful today that Jesus is in charge. He truly reigns. I mentioned to you about the soldiers who witnessed those approximately 600 soldiers dying. Some of those men who witnessed it, they became followers of Jesus. Here's a quote from one of those men. When I saw those men die, when I saw their faith, when I saw how they would not renounce Jesus or Christos, okay, they, they said, he said Christos, but Jesus Christ. When I saw that they would not renounce Christos, Jesus Christ, I just had to believe. Amen. I just had to believe. Be grateful today that Jesus is in charge. Amen. You know, it would be easy to praise Jesus in heaven because His rule will be obvious. But what about right now, 2021, when His rule is not so obvious? When it looks sometimes the way Satan is in charge, which he's not, but sometimes our world looks that way. When things happen that we don't understand, how do we handle it today? There was a story told many years ago about an old man who lived in a small village. He owned a beautiful white stallion, stallion horse. His family just barely got by. The villagers urged the man, sell the horse. You know, the king wants to buy your horse. and Sell the horse, you'll have food for your family. The man kept on saying, he said, well, it's too early to tell. The horse ran away. The villagers went back to the old man and said, see there, old man, you had opportunity to sell the horse and, and now the horse is gone. You should have sold the horse. 
The old man said, it's too early to tell. In a week or two, his white stallion horse returned along with another white stallion horse. Now he has two. The villager said, oh, you're so smart. Now you've got two stallion horses, one that you've broken and one you haven't, and, and you can sell the one uh, to the king and, and still have one left. The old man said, it's too early to tell. His only son was trying to break the horse, trying to tame that new horse. And his only son fell and severely broke his legs, crippling him for life. The villager said, now look, see, you, you, you got that one horse back, your horse back, and brought another horse, and now your son is crippled. You should have sold the horse. The old man said, it's too early to tell. A war broke out. All the young boys of the village had to go to war. Every young man died in that war. The villager said, you were smart, old man, because you're the only one who has a son left, because he couldn't go off to war because of his handicap. The old man said, it's too early to tell. What's the moral to the story? It's too early to tell. You see, for us, from our human vantage point, we don't have the big picture. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's always too early to tell. The one thing that I can tell you for sure is that Jesus will reign. He reigns today. He will always reign. He will always be in charge. And one day, everyone will acknowledge that fact. We need to trust the one who is the beginning and the end and who holds tomorrow in his hand. He has promised to work all things together for good for those who love God. Do we believe it? Do we really? Can we thank the Lord during the hard times? Can we thank Him for the good things that He has done in His sovereignty that He's given us? Even when we don't understand what He's doing. Or even when we sometimes don't understand a chapter. Can we say, Lord, You reign. You are in charge. I may not understand, and often I don't, Lord, but I know that You are always in charge. Jesus is Lord. Rejoice in His reign. Final point, and the lesson is yours. Don't go into a rage. Don't get angry and bitter if things don't go your way. Don't get mad and upset when things happen that you don't like. Don't be like the true unbelievers. Now, th this chapter does mention the unbelievers. Verse 18. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. Now, this is the end, the judgment day. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Early church, rejoice for two reasons. One, 
If you do die, your death could lead others to Jesus. We saw that in verse 13. And the second thing, you end up being victor at the end. You will be rewarded. Don't give up on God. We need to remind ourselves that throughout the Bible, God's coming judgment is a good thing. It's something to be celebrated, something to be longed for, something to yearn over. Because if you're found faithful, you get rewarded. Now, faced with a world in rebellion, a, a world full of uh, just wickedness, a good God must be a God of judgment. So judge he must, and judge he will. He will judge. Several years ago, Bernard Ebers stood before a judge and asked for mercy. Now, who was Bernard Ebers? He was the former CEO of WorldCom. And that company had been indicted for a $11 billion accounting fraud that shut down that telecommunication firm in 2002. Yet, Bernard Ebers asked for mercy. He pointed out all the good charities that he had helped. He pointed out all the money he'd given away to help folks. And he pleaded for mercy. In fact, here's quoting his attorney. If you live 60 some odd years, if you have an unblemished record of helping others, if you have endless number of people who attest to your goodness, doesn't that count? Doesn't that count particularly on this day? What did the judge do? What was his ruling? The judge said no. And sentenced Ebers to 25 years in prison. You see, when Jesus the judge returns, the same thing is going to happen to a lot of people. They think their good deeds should count for something. But Jesus will say no and banish them to hell. Why? Because they have not believed, they have not obeyed, and they have not lived faithful to Him. When Jesus comes again, He will judge the sinners, but He will reward the righteous. Specifically, verse 18 says, He will reward His servants. Are you a servant? His saints, are you one of His saints? And those who fear, respect His name, He will reward His faithful, His faithful children. Are you faithful to God? It's the only way any of us will ever get into heaven. We must realize that our, our sinfulness before a holy God and we must throw ourselves on His mercy. Jesus Christ died on a cross and rose again to save us from our sins. Jesus reigns. But the question tonight is, does He reign in your heart? All you need to do is trust and obey Him. We need to depend on Him. 
And we know for sure that if we do, He will reward us. So don't be mad like the rest of the world. Instead, put your trusting obedience in Jesus and be glad. Those are the only two choices that we have when it comes to Christ's rule. We can either be mad or we can be glad. What will it be for you? In Detroit, Michigan, 2005, a man applied for a marriage license. But he waited 11 years to return to pick it up. Why 11 years? He said, we had a few disagreements about details. Is that you? Do you have a few disagreements about the details of God's plan of salvation? Maybe that is where some of you are with the Lord. You put off letting Him into your life because of a few disagreements about life, about the details. The truth is you're afraid to let Him take control of your life. You're afraid that He will ask you to do more than you're willing to do. You're afraid that you can't live the Christian life. Bottom line, you are afraid that He will ruin your fun. Don't take that attitude. I'll assure you this. Jesus will do just the opposite. He'll make life full of purpose. He will give you a reason to live. He will redeem your life. He'll take the mess that you have made out of your life and He will turn it into a miracle of His grace. I firmly believe that. Jesus can make the difference if He is reigning in your heart. Does He reign in your heart? My dear friends, please let Christ reign and rule in your life today. That way, not only will you rejoice, but you will have the angels in heaven rejoicing with you. So, what's the answer tonight? Once again, you're faced with that same slide that you see with me every time I'm up here. Do you believe? Will you repent? Will you confess? Will you be baptized? It's not complicated. As a Christian, do you need to seek His forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. Is Jesus ruling in your life? Does He reign? Here is Jesus number one. If you have any need to respond at all, would you please come forward as we stand and sing for your encouragement. There come.